Welcome to Career Tools. Today we continue our conversation about bad boss number one, the angry and demeaning boss. If you haven't listened to last week's show, you might want to go back and listen to that first. Assuming you have, here we go. Now that we understand kind of um, the type of angry bosses in, in some of our fundamental premises, I cope, perform, and decide, we'll spend a little bit more time on coping because I think there's a lot to be said here. Coping is an important word. And man, folks, folks miss this all the time. Please, yes. folks, don't miss how important this is. We've had, we've had friends and associates and peers who have failed to cope and all the rest of the suggestions we're going to talk about today, we've given them for years and they either go unheeded or they simply can't be implemented. If you don't first cope, angry bosses have a way of getting under people's skin. Right. And the anger builds up so much that they start to contemplate some very, very poor decisions. Yeah. And, Coping is the first, and the reason we're talking about first is is absolutely the most important. You know, don't brush past this because you're quote unquote a tough competitor, right? That you yeah. got it. In fact, you know, you know, don't you think, Mike? My concern with cope using that word, although it really is the most accurate word, because there are going to be good days and bad days, which is which is how people often describe coping. But my concern is a lot of the type A people who are listening, the high D's, even some of the high I's, they're going to, they're going to diminish the value of coping. They're going to say, I'm not the coping type. I don't, you know, that's not me. I, I attack things. I, you know, I, I, I plow down obstacles. Um, the reason I am where I am is because I've overcome everything that's been put in my way. What do you think? I mean, I don't know how to, 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 to say it other than I can, I can say this. I, I'm, I, I would consider myself a tough competitor and I'm absolutely in favor of complete Zen like acceptance and coping when it comes to working for an angry boss, but I'm not so sure that's enough. Well, I think it takes a, um, a level of confidence that just goes beyond what, what most have because particularly for those, you know, we, we use terms like high D and high eyes, but, but if you don't, if you don't understand the disc model or ha- aren't familiar with it, don't, don't pay much attention to that. We're talking about aggressive, no holds barred type leaders. And the idea of working for an angry boss and somehow and coping feels like being subservient, right? It's, it feels like you're taking a demotion, um, that you're, um, not in control of the situation, right? There's an obstacle. Yeah. And the, the immediate reaction is, Hey, listen, l- eliminate that re- that obstacle immediately. Right. And we're talking, we're talking about here is coping is, Taking a little time, sitting back on your heels a little bit and allowing this, this, the angry boss behavior to kind of wave over you versus address. It's kind of like, um, uh, career, uh, jujitsu or career judo versus a very direct, you know, attack mode. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of folks who tend to be kind of those type A personalities feel uncomfortable with that. Yeah. So I, 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 I agree. Yeah, I, I, and I, I think that's. Well, good. Okay. We're on the same page then. And I think, um, even if you don't like the word folks, get used to the concept. Because when I talk to people who have this happen to them, 
Coping is what separates the ones who handle it well from the ones who don't. The ones who don't handle it well want a series of activities to engage in, to beat the boss, to climb over his or her dead body to get the promotion or whatever. And it's just silly. You're not going to do it. The power and the anger together are too much. And, and the first thing you've got to do is give yourself space and time. And that means coping. So look, if we cope, everything else we do in this process gets easier. If we don't, everything gets harder and decision quality tends to degrade. And that's, that's dangerous, particularly the higher you're up in the organization. We have seen this. We hate it. And we don't want that for you. Uh, for any of our listeners, please cope. How your boss feels is his fault. It's not your fault. And how he feels can drive decisions we make and decisions we make are behaviors we're engaging in. So we're not going to blame our boss. We're simply going to say, let's cope. So we have less to blame him or her for. Right. So let's talk a little bit more specifically what we mean by coping. Cause I think people could misinterpret it in a couple. You mean we ways. just can't, we just can't go over the cast and say, be Zen like, and it's fine. No, I think people might like it cause it'd be shorter, but unfortunately yeah. we want you actually to walk away with uh, things to do or not do, very specific yes. behaviors. And so the first behavior here is act not in haste. <laughs> this is probably the single biggest mistake folks make when working for an angry boss. Yep. They take things personally and really believe it. I mean, they actually believe it when the angry jerk says, you need to start looking for a new job. And not only do they start looking, which, okay, that may not be such a, a bad idea. Right. They actually quit in disgust in some sort of misguided idea, or actually in this case, ideal. Right. That they don't want this threat hanging over their heads. And so, yeah. you know, and they dumb. natural. They take action and they quit. Yeah. And they quit in haste. And it's only after you do something like that that you look at your resume and go, ooh, maybe that wasn't so good. I've only been here three months. What does that say? And so we call, we, we go to the forums or we call Mark, or we send an email and, and, and Mark or Mike say, yeah, three months on a job. Yeah, not, not real good sign. You're going to get a lot of questions about that. And it's not that you can't handle those questions in an interview. It's that if there's a close person uh, to, with you uh, gunning for this job, the fact that they get five extra minutes to talk more about their accomplishments while you spent defending why you only work for somebody for three months without violating the principle of you don't talk uh, badly about people uh, that you worked for in the past in an interview. So you can't tell them what a jerk and angry idiot your former boss was. You don't get the job yeah. all because you quit in disgust. Yeah. If you're, if your only answer to the question of why you're only there three months um, is that your boss was a jerk. You, you've already, <laughs> you've already lost that one. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not a good position. That, to be in. That's not the correct answer to why was I there three months? Yeah. So quitting discuss, um, it may not be career suicide, uh, but it's, it's close. It's pretty darn close. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, look, I think our first cast about recessions and down markets and so on said, you know, or, or being ready for a layoff is have six months worth of cash in the bank. If you've got two years worth of cash in, in your bank, you know, because you're a frugal person, good, then fine, quit. Although don't kid yourself, you are going to get questions about that three month or that six month stint. Look, we do understand, right? The energy is there. 
you're, you're a confident person. You won't be treated unprofessionally. It's a sin. It's unethical. The, what he or she is doing to you, fine. You want some righteous indignation. You say, uh, to hell with you. I don't want to worry about when you're going to fire me. I don't want the sword of Damocles hanging over my head. So I'm going to take that decision out of your hands by quitting. And you feel righteous about it. Yeah. And stupid. No offense, but, <laughs> but it, it's still stupid. I mean, it really is. As the Aussies would say, good on you, mate. Hope your resume looks really good right now. Because now that you've quit, you're going to go home and tell your spouse. And spouses are so great when it comes to careers in so many ways. They're going to say, what? <laughs> Have you forgotten that it takes two salaries to afford this house we're living in? And, and of course, your answer will be, that's okay. I, I just feel good right now. I, I, did a, I did a righteous thing. Yeah. Righteous in the short term, silly in the long term. Yeah. Well, perhaps you did make the decision, but... Of course, that's always true when yeah, you resign. Right. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, you made the decision, but your decision's proximity to your angry boss's threat simply proves that, yeah, you made the decision, but your jerk boss drove you to it. Yeah, and we ought not to be letting a jerk boss drive our career and our career decisions, yeah. So, look, slow down. Commit to your spouse that you will not, no matter how heinous, how sinful, how egregious, how catastrophic the situation is at work, you will not resign in a rush. You will not make a decision in haste. Make that commitment out loud to your spouse once he or she knows how bad the boss is that you're working for. The saying in carpentry is measure twice, cut once. That means slow down and make sure you're doing things right rather than rushing through something. Take your time. Giving in to the emotions of anger and disgust and righteous indignation only pays dividends for about 30 seconds. But you're going to live with the consequences of this action for a lot longer than that, and your family is too. And I'm going to say something that I've, I think I've said before on air, but I want to repeat it here because we're talking about anger. It's a mistake that too many people make, too many HR professionals and, and uh, too many sociologists and, and workplace specialists and so on. When I get interviewed, people want to talk about emotions. I just think it's it's silly. I want to talk about behavior. But It is okay, despite what people tell you, it is okay to be angry at work. If it weren't okay, none of us would have jobs. The problem is not the anger. It's the expression of the anger. Quitting in disgust is an expression of anger, and it's dumb, and we don't recommend you do it. When your boss gets in your face, it's okay to get angry. It's not okay to do anything about that anger. It's not okay to express it. Step back, walk away. Okay? I want everybody to be okay. If you start to feel anger, don't beat yourself up about it. It's what you're supposed to feel. You're threatened. You're responsible in part for your family's uh, well-being and your uh, livelihood, your addiction to food, clothing, and shelter is being threatened. You're supposed to get angry. It's part of your biological makeup. But your professional makeup says we don't express the anger because we are adults and we can choose how we behave outwardly to the world. Okay. Now now I feel terribly psychological. So look, walk away. Don't share how you're really feeling. (laughs) Don't give in to the manipulative, angry boss who says, you look ticked. Go ahead. Tell me what you really think about me. I know I'm a jerk. I promise you folks, she could not care less about how you feel, other than to use your response to prove to herself that her anger actually works as inciting in you emotions that she thinks are effective. 
Why wouldn't you think she, her anger is effective? She outranks you, right? She is just wanting feedback that her power works. She doesn't care what you think. When she sits down behind her desk and sags her head and say, gee, I'm sorry I did that. Please tell me how you're feeling. She doesn't mean it. Don't do it. It's a mistake. Yeah. So, so don't pop off with some rejoinder when, when, when she does that or mm. don't walk out of the office in a rush when she's angry. Anything that you do that she sees because of her demeaning behavior simply causes her to believe that she is motivating you because, in fact. Because she is. She is. She really is. And it's going to just encourage her to continue using this immature and unprofessional management technique to try to manipulate you. Yep. Your behavior, your reaction to her behavior simply gets you more of what you don't want. Yeah. So don't do it. Yeah, don't speak or act in haste. Slow down. My my brother Walt used to send me sends me a note a few times. Illegitimi non carborundum, which is fake Latin for don't let the bastards get you down. Well, ours here is illegitimi non erratus, which is don't let the bastard make you angry. And to use a phrase we've used before, stay frosty. It works better. Good. Okay, so our, so our next point is you know what, what I like to do. I know you love it when I start off a conversation a, a sentence that way. But what I like to do is when I've been in this situation is I get together with my peers because we're all working for the same angry boss and we get together in a group and we share our experiences and we, we really allow ourselves to vent and get it off our chest. And it just helps us get us through the day, through the week. It, it just helps us cope. What do you think about that? How, that how, how did, how did you end up where you are? <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. We all share. Please. Do you, this is group. This is group counseling, right? This is group therapy and we're all in a, we're all in an institution. No, no. The second biggest mistake that we make as professionals when we work for an angry boss is to go out and seek allies. We think that because our boss is angry, and of course, all of his other directs, and, and quite frankly, his peers probably too, have to shoulder that anger, that somehow we should so show solidarity with others and get together and talk about what's happening by sharing, right? We think we'll ease the pain of others. Misery loves company, that whole thing. If we're in this together, right, it seems like things will be a little bit easier. We'll laugh some more about it. Oh, he said that to you. I thought that was a really clever line, but apparently it's just his line of the week and he uses it on everybody. Yeah, well, I thought that was all true. I mean, that's kind of how I thought, but <laughs> I actually I actually found out it that doesn't work out too well. Yeah, the thi- that thinking, when you think about it from a different perspective, when you think about your team – you being angry with your team and everybody in your team going in and talking about what you did yesterday or the day before and can you believe it and spending 15, 20 minutes kibitzing about it. It's totally, that kind of thinking is totally corrosive and wrong. What it does, and listen carefully here, is it visits each person's incident on the entire team. And so it gives the impression to everybody on the team that all of you are going through all of it, which essentially increases the volume. And look, this concept is one of the reasons so many people thinking the world that think the world is getting so much worse in so many ways. The news that we get is by definition dramatic. They don't put things on the news that aren't dramatic. And when it comes to the human sphere of, of, of behavior and influence, drama is loss or death or tragedy or fear. It's things that are conflict based or loss based. So, consequently, thanks to modern technology and the globalization of the world, although that always sounds funny, the globalization of the world, as if the world needs to be globalized, 
nowadays, because we have the ability to be shown every traffic accident and every natural disaster, we get shown them. There are the same number of natural disasters now that there were 50 years ago, according to all the experts. But almost everybody who's pulled think there's way more because we hear about all of them. And 50 years ago, the folks in South America did not hear about natural disasters in Canada. People in Africa did not hear about natural disasters or, or tragedies even in Australia. Look, a leader, whether you're a manager or not, you can still be a leader, doesn't share his or her problems with everybody else. It's gossiping and it's unprofessional. All you're doing is increasing the amount of drama, tragedy, conflict, and fear that each of your peers has to deal with. So don't share your pain with others. They know you're going through it and you know they're going through it. And certainly if someone wants to come talk to you, you don't say, no, I'm sorry, uh, I can't help you. What we're suggesting for you personally, if you're listening, stop going to your peers and saying, you're not going to believe what happened. You're not going to believe what he just said. Other than briefly sharing your approach, which is, hey, I'm going to stay frosty. I'm going to stay quiet. Yeah, something happened, but I'm going to let it go. Don't sit down for a bitch session, which is what we call it in America anyway. Sorry, it really doesn't help in the aggregate. You venting a little bit to someone else really doesn't help the entire team. Oh, and you're not going to believe it. I actually heard one time of this single manager who did this, who sat down with in one of these sessions, shared everything that was going on, complained about the boss, really got pretty vocal about it. And can you believe it that one person in that bitch session actually went and shared what he heard with the boss? Can you believe oh, that? You, oh, I can't possibly imagine that someone would do that. Really? Really? I, I mean, people I might try to curry favor with the boss or feel that the person who is genuinely sharing just to get it off their chest, they might draw the conclusion that person's trying to poison the boss. No. People behave that way? I hate to be the bearer of bad news, my friend, but... Oh, no. That, that it actually happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is not a company in the world who wouldn't take the boss's side, your boss's side, if it was revealed that you've been spreading, quote, vicious rumors or, quote, misleading others with defamatory comments about a boss who is, quote, just trying to get the best from his team. You're going to lose in that exchange. And it's not like bad bosses who are uh, prone to use manipulative behavior might not manipulate others to rat on you. So, Oh, Absolutely. When the person goes and talks to the boss, the boss is going to feel, the boss is going to say, wow, thanks a lot. Hey, I just got to tell you, I really appreciate it. It's people like you that, that, that really keep this company going because you're thinking about the big picture. I mean, right. it's, it's crap, but they'll say that and the person will feel puffed up and good and they mean well, but you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Right. So, so we're making a little, a little light of this. We're having a little fun with it, but look at, don't do this. Don't share with your peers. Yeah, uh, it, it's gonna. It might make you feel good for a few moments to get it off your chest, but the risk associated with that is much, much greater than the pleasure associated with it. Just don't do it. We also would say don't seek allies in HR either. Oh gosh, yeah, right. I mean, and, and again, we, we sometimes we have probably spoken more poorly about HR than we really believe. We're not against HR. We're just not for bad HR. And unfortunately, right. there's some of them out there. So we're not saying anything bad about HR here. We're just saying that HR, they're not your ally here. They work for the company. Yep. They don't work for you. 
And I'm sorry, but all the ethical pledges in the world from someone in HR about quote unquote total confidence can't insulate us from hinting around with your boss to your boss or about your boss and in some way, shape or form it getting back to your boss. Yep. In some sense, unless there's some clear ethical violation here, HR is in a position of working for your boss. To you, the company is represented by your boss. And so if you have conversation with HR, unless there's a case of these clear ethical violations, hints are going to be dropped. And look at your boss has already demonstrated that they like to manage by exercising of power. Yep. And those who like power don't like folks going to HR about yeah, them. Exactly. So look, we don't mean we, we mean no ill intent to HR, but we feel obligated to share our experience with uh, our experiences with HR folks, hundreds, if not thousands of them. You cannot trust the vast majority of HR professionals with dangerous secrets regarding your boss's managerial behavior. Now, look, we're not saying you can't trust them with anything. If you were to have a sexual harassment claim or a physical abuse claim or evidence of theft, there is an assumption of trust there that's reasonable. But the reason that trust exists is because they receive special training on those issues and organizations, again, remember, they don't work for you. They work for the, rather for the company. Organizations insist on careful handling of those incidents and they have specific procedures and processes that they have to follow and that are audited. And quite often in that case, senior HR people get involved quite quickly. Management issues, on the other hand, are completely and utterly different in all ways. First, there are no laws to speak of that are, you know, there's no controlling legal authority. In the areas we just mentioned, harassment and abuse and so on, there are defined standards. There's case law. There's rules of evidence. Management is a big, fat, black hole of standards. And HR mistakenly believes that they know management. In fact, I recently saw an ad. I want to say it was in Fortune magazine. It drove me nuts. It's a picture, two pictures, one of a bunch of people streaming into a building and another picture streaming out of a building, people streaming out of a building. The quote in the ad is something like, your most important assets, your people leave the building every day. And the, the, uh, the comment was, it was for, I think it was for an HR organization. It may have been for Society for Human Resource Management. At the bottom, it says, it's HR's job to bring them back every day. And I just wanted to pull my hair out. No, it's not. It's not HR's job to do that. We don't work for HR. We work for managers. It's managers' jobs to bring people back every day, not HR. How can HR bring people back when, holy Toledo, some people who've worked for me have never seen an HR person. How is HR's responsibility to bring them back? People don't come back because of the benefits or the ability to go talk to somebody about their problems. They come back because of the manager. And they leave because of the manager. HR does not have a way to impact management as well as they might like. And we respect that they don't have the tools. They have other tools that are very important to us. So if you go to HR, here's what's going to happen. The person you're talking to, unless they're quite senior, will encourage you to share what's going on. They won't ask precise questions, which is a bad sign. They won't attempt to find out what was actually said. They will accept your version, be careful of that word, your version of events, which of course will only become less truthful once it gets compared to what your boss said really happened. And folks, don't think for a second that your boss's rank doesn't get him or her extra credit in the whose story wins contest. 
Later, the fact that your story isn't, quote, true, unquote, they'll suggest to you that, quote, perhaps there are two versions of events, unquote, and, quote, maybe you ought to make a concerted effort to work out your difference with your boss in a collaborative and professional way. We're here to help, though, if it still doesn't work out. He tells us he wants to work this out with you, unquote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've sat there when HR said that's the person, and I, I went to the person later and said, don't, no, 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 not, not good, not good. And look, here's what your boss is going to tell them. The angry, demeaning boss is going to tell them when they broach the subject with him. He'll say, well, I'm shocked, frankly. He, he's been struggling with results lately, and I would have thought he would have come to me for help rather than coming and talking to you who, no offense, you can't help him with his weakness in quality or uh, the quality of his work or deadlines and some of his issues with internal customer relationships. Clearly, I have some work to do with him. Thanks for the heads up, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just been you just been had a knife put in your back. Yeah, that's right. You've been throwing when they ask him about your perception of his anger issues. If he's smart, he's going to say, "Sure, I was angry." I mean, and you would be too if you saw his work and you had to clean up after him week after week after week. Unquote. And for those of you who still won't let it go, the idea that you can go to HR and everything will be made better. All he has to do is show one PowerPoint slide with a change he made or one spreadsheet that wasn't formatted as he clearly told you in an hour-long meeting to show that you're creating more work for him. No one in HR or up the chain of command is going to take the time to really verify the details, the nitty-gritty details of your working relationship with your boss because most people in HR can't understand the details of what it is we work on. No offense to them, but there are too many types of people in the company for them to be able to know everything. Well, see, this is where my strategy of sharing with everybody. <laughs> I found, though, is that when I have my, my sessions, we all share you know, the, the bad things that are happening with this boss, is that everybody is very willing to step up and go with me to HR as a kind of cohesive group. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Change is hard. You go first. <laughs> Look, this is what it feels like to get thrown under a bus. How do you think an angry boss responds to one of his directs going to HR behind his back? What he does is he brings you into his office and he closes the door and he says, what the hell do you think you're doing going to HR behind my back? Yeah. And the reason for this is that there are no accepted standards for professional management in all but a very few companies. So don't go to HR. We love lots of people in HR, and they're not the people who are going to help you with an angry boss, unless that boss becomes abusive, physically abusive, or abusive in a way that's unethical, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. So, okay, we can't go to HR, can't go to our peers. How about your bosses? Let's say you have a friend. Let's say you have yeah. a friend who's a peer of your bosses. What about dumb. that? I mean, certainly that would help. Dumb, 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 dumb. Yeah. Think about it this way. One of your peers directs. In other words, let's say Mike and I are peers and, um, and Maggie, who works for Mike, comes to me and says, hey, M Mike is an angry jerk and here's some proof. Now, Mike and I are friends. What am I going to do about one of Mike's directs coming to me? Am I going to go solve this direct problem? No. I'm probably going to encourage him to go talk to Mike, right? But I'm not going to solve the problem. And, of course, the reason they're, she's talking to me is because she doesn't want to go talk to Mike. So she's not going to go talk to Mike. That's how your boss's peers will respond to you. Don't bring them into this. They already know, and they feel sorry for you. 
and there's nothing they're going to do about it unless it crosses the line into unethical behavior. Okay. Well, yeah, we're running out of options here. So, <laughs> okay. So my boss's boss has an open door policy. So maybe my boss likes to exercise power. So maybe somebody who has the ability to exercise power over him will work. What do you think yeah. about that? No, you're going to lose that battle too. If your open door, open door policy works the right way, the first question you're going to get from your boss's boss, the person you're a skip to is he's going to ask, have you talked to your boss about this? <laughs> and you're going to have to say no. And look, we've just found that it doesn't work. There are ethical, ethical exceptions. We're going to talk about those, but basically open door addressing this with your boss in a direct, with your boss's boss in a direct way doesn't work. Yeah, there, we have had some success in rare situations where we suggest that their hints be dropped, but it is way too delicate to try to get to in a cast um, that so many people are listening to. So, yeah. So I don't feel well here because I, I, I think that I can see a lot of listeners who, who are thinking, are feeling kind of alone here, right? That they, that we, we really haven't given them anywhere to go. Yeah. But that's the point. If you feel a little alone, that's good. We know you want to share with others, but we don't recommend it. The power our boss has over us is real. And for the vast majority of us, if she's angry and demeaning, she'll use that power against us if we start seeking allies. So stay frosty, which in the case of seeking allies means stay quiet. Thanks, everyone. That'll be it for this week. We'll continue this conversation next week. Until then, so long.